Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, joined, of course, by my sidekick, Harley Schultz. And Harley, this is where I would normally say we're entering the halfway point of the season, but I technically can't say that now. Well, you can from a fantasy perspective, because even though the league has extended their league weeks uh, for one door, I don't think most fantasy leagues will still be playing the final week of the year. No, but you know who I bet will be? Who's that? DFS. I mean, if they can do preseason, you know they're going to be doing it. Um, oh, I, of course. I actually wonder how much money that will generate for DFS sites for that extra game. Uh, it, it should be quite a bit. I mean, consider how big DFS was with just the XFL and the AAF in the last couple of years. I mean, it, it made household names of guys like P.J. Walker. Very true, very true. So... Um, by Mageddon, I think is what I saw you call it, uh, is behind us. I will have to be honest with you. I did not make it out unscathed. I probably had one of the worst weeks I've ever had in all my years of playing fantasy football. Yeah, it was pretty crazy with the number of teams on by this week. Uh, and uh, topped that with the number of injuries. And it, it was just a really, really tough week. Uh, I did actually, uh, and I, there was one league I was in where I was forced to pick up and start Case Keenum on Thursday as my only quarterback in a super flex league. But somehow, in that same league, I managed to, on this bye week, trade for both uh, Kirk Cousins and Ben Roethlisberger. So now I basically completely remade that team's quarterback room going into the post-bye week uh, series. But yeah, no, starting Case Keenum was... Not really a uh, thing I was looking forward to doing. So I made a serious rookie, inexperienced player mistake this week. In my um, expert IDP league, I knew that I had Daniil Hunter out and that I had to replace him. So, you know, I make my waiver request and they process on Wednesday. I made it on Monday or Tuesday for Shelby Harris, I believe it was, who had a very good game. Yes. But guess what I forgot to do? I forgot to go back and put him into my lineup, actually. Mm -hmm. Because I usually will make sure I put a lineup in first thing when I'm checking and and submitting all my waiver requests just because we get busy, right? You don't want to forget to do it. And sure enough, I looked right past it and didn't flop him in. And I probably could have said something to the commissioner and he'd have been like, and everybody would have been like, yeah, well, clearly you picked him up to play him, but I didn't make any noise. It wouldn't have mattered because he didn't score 175 points or anything like that, so... Well, I kind of had something similar happen to me a couple of weeks ago where uh, I it, it's a league that's been around forever. It's got kickers in it still. I kind of wish it didn't. But uh, 
I've been a pirate. Down goes Harley. Uh, I blame the cat there. The cat decided to take my headphones for a run. That's okay. Uh, no, so I was going to say, I've been in this league for a very, very long time. Uh, it's about 30 years now that we've been going together. It's guys I worked with back in my uh, early 20s. And in this particular league, they still have kickers. So I needed to replace my kicker, who at the start of the season was Rodrigo Blankenship, when he got hurt a couple of weeks ago. I went to pick up uh, the, the kicker for Cleveland. Um, Chase McLaughlin. Yeah, exactly. And I accidentally picked up the kicker for Cincinnati because he's got a very similar name. Right. So I, I had to send a, uh, an email to uh, the league commissioner begging him to not charge me the transaction fee for that pickup because I just clicked on the wrong name. Yeah, wasn't there an Adrian Peterson, two Adrian Petersons a while back? Oh, the old, the old two Adrian Peterson syndrome, yes. The, the Steve Smiths, and there may have been somebody else too. Oh, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, yep. Got to be careful of that stuff. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so bad week overall for me. Um, my Scott Fishbowl team we will not talk about. I Actually, I should count up how many players across my leagues I had out this weekend. It is the most by far I've ever seen absolutely just out. And they're not players I can drop, right? Yeah, well, that's, that's a huge thing. I mean, it's very, very weird in, in these formats. And again, that's, it's one of the things that normally you like about something like best ball, but you couldn't even count on players for best ball this week because no. your entire bench was all gone. Yep. I think I have one best ball league and... My entire bench was zeros except for one player scored like 1.6 points or something like that. Everybody else was off. Exactly. So anyway, what I'm ready for right now is something I think our listeners like, and that's throwing it over to Harley for this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. The Philadelphia Eagles have traded Joe Flacco to the New York Jets. Yes, I, too, was surprised to learn that Joe Flacco was still in the league. I was even more surprised to learn that someone actually wanted him. (laughs) It's been a rough go of things for the rookie quarterbacks through the first half of the season. Kellen Mond cannot even win the backup job in Minnesota. Davis Mills has been outright putrid, and he is about to be replaced by a returning Tyrod Taylor. Zach Wilson and Trey Lance have both been shaky, and both are currently injured. Justin Fields has been so bad that Matt Nagy's job is on the line. Mac Jones has been the most successful of the rookies, but he has faced six cakewalk pass defenses. Heck, this has gotten so bad that in the Scott Fishbowl, Trevor Lawrence, who was on by this week, all scored all of them except Jones. <laughs> It isn't just rookie quarterbacks struggling as Carolina's Sam Darnold was benched this week after another poor start. Darnold looked great to start the season, but then Christian McCaffrey got hurt, leaving Darnold to steer the ship. Unfortunately for Darnold, that ship appears to be the Titanic, and he is steering it right into the iceberg. Considering Darnold's struggles, I just hope he isn't scared of seeing the ghost of Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) Stop me if you've heard this before, but the Texans are announcing that Deshaun Watson may be traded this week. Or maybe he won't be traded this week. 
Or maybe he will be suspended this week. Or maybe he won't be suspended this week. Tell you what, Houston, just let me know when you finally have it all figured out. <laughs> and finally, Chicago media are reporting that Bears head coach Matt Nagy tested positive for COVID. This may be the first positive comment the Chicago media has ever made about Nagy. <laughs> this has been your BPN News Update. Man, that's rough. That's rough. It's spot on, but that is rough. So I blame my bad weekend in fantasy. I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I got my booster shot um, this weekend. And I said that I was not aware that one of the side effects was poor start-sit decision-making in fantasy football from the shot. No one told me that. Um, But I'd still get it again if I had to. Well, you know, you might just have to at some point here. It could become an annual thing. That's true. So if, uh, if that's what I have to do and I can blame my bad decision-making on it, then that's what I'll do. Why not, right? Um, exactly. Okay, so this week, what are we going to do? We're going to do our normal DFS pay-up, stay-away, value-play segment. And what we're going to start with first, though, is a segment that we are going to call A Blast from the Past, The Chopping Block. <laughs> it, it sounds like a... A slightly ominous thing, but I guess with Halloween coming up, I mean, uh, maybe we can get like uh, Freddy Krueger or uh, Michael Myers or even Jason to come and help with the chopping block. You know what? This weekend, instead of Halloween kills, you could have called my team's fantasy kills um, and not in the good way. Um, So here, I got a question for you. We're basically halfway through the season, through the fantasy season. Without any names attached to these, and they're really not injury-related, um, I think each person, two of these may have missed one game, but they're not injury-related. Would you be even giving any thought to retaining, instead of chopping, a wide receiver that ranks number 59, 69, 75th, 62nd overall? Well, again, if you think about your most leagues are going to be 12 team or 10 team leagues. So when you're talking 59 is the highest ranked wide receiver in that group, that is the wide receiver five on a, in a 12 team league or the wide receiver six roughly in a 10 team league. So these are guys that are probably uh, guys who you're probably going to be forced to drop in situations like Bipocalypse where you have to make a decision on that bottom of your roster player or they're the guys that you should be starting during bipocalypse right not somebody that you're relying on a week for on a weekly basis well again if they're that low how much trust do you actually have in those players well clearly a lot because these guys are still rostered in the majority of leagues so let me ask you let's start right out with a guy that i am a big fan of i believe and i've said for years that he's highly underrated but fantasy wise this year it's just not happening what are we doing with Allen Robinson? Is he safe to cut? Uh, I actually made a comment about this on Twitter this past weekend. I, you may have responded to it. I'm not sure. But uh, I actually suggested to someone that if he couldn't get it done against Tampa Bay, then yes, go ahead and cut Allen Robinson. And I, I never thought that I would ever end up saying that because Allen Robinson has made a career out of being a top 16 wide receiver with absolute schlock at quarterback. Now, I never thought that we'd come to the day where Ellen Robinson's fantasy owners would be wishing they still had Mitchell Trubisky throwing him the ball. Yes. 
Very true. Um, I'm pro- like I said, I, I think I did respond to your thing, and I said, you know, I'm I'm a ride or die with Alan Robinson, but even I and I posted a gif of the train that was crashing off of the bridge. So, believe it or not, as an Alan, Alan Robinson owner, um, yeah, I think you have to cut him. And it's such a tough thing too. I, I think if you're in a dynasty league, that's different. You you maybe just hold out hope that either Justin Fields will figure this out or Matt Nagy will be replaced with someone with half a brain or just something will happen to change the fortunes of Robinson. Maybe it's traded to another team. But if you're in a redraft format and you don't see the writing on the wall for him being traded to another team in the next two weeks, I, I can't imagine rostering him at the end of your bench because there there is literally – Guys on the waiver wire in most formats right now that I would feel more comfortable starting than Allen Robinson. You could probably find a guy weekly if you wanted to turn the waiver wire that's going to give you more upside and just about as much downside because the problem is if you own him, you feel compelled to start him. Exactly, and that's kind of one of the things that come into with some of the uh, the big-name guys who have had success in the past. And Again, I mean, Allen Robinson isn't exactly old. He's, he's not like a, a guy who uh, is on his last legs. He's not, he's not Ben Roethlisberger. He's not T.Y. Hilton, uh, where it's like you, you feel comfortable cutting him because you know that the end is nigh. He's, 20, no, he's, 20, he's young. He's 28. Exactly. He's Turns been in the 20. league for a long time. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. he also has missed uh, a couple of seasons to injuries, too. Yeah, he is 28, turned it in August. So this is his full 28-year, I mean— yeah, he could have easily another good five, six, seven years in the league. Um, anyway, okay, so we're in agreement. We're cutting Allen Robinson, sad as that may be. Yes. Here's another guy. Now, this guy has missed one. Let me see. Did he miss one or two games? Hold on. Let me make sure I don't want to sully his name. He did miss a couple games due to injury. But that does not resolve the issue that coming in at number 69 – is Julio Jones. Well, and Julio Jones returned to this past week. And anyway, so far, we haven't seen a ton of him being comfortable with Ryan Tannehill from a passing standpoint. But a lot of that is due to the fact that Tennessee has been running the ball a lot with Derrick Henry. Now, this is a thing that normally we see Henry really pick it up and ramp it up at the end of the season. So... The further we move along, there's always the risk that, well, is Henry going? If Henry's going to be even more involved going forward, as is tradition, then Jones might never quite get off the blocks. But you know what? That offense is still pretty good. They they really manhandled the Chiefs this past week, and it wasn't really on the back of Henry. It was actually more so on the back of the passing game and Ryan Tannehill. So I think there's room for Julio to come around a little bit. I don't think he's going to be the Julio that you start every week, but I would still feel comfortable having him on my bench and and play him as like a wide receiver four, uh, bye week fill in wide receiver five at worst. So over his last three games, Julio Jones has as many targets thirteen as Cooper Cup did in his last game. Um, just for a little bit of context there. I'm the biggest Julio Jones fan. I love Julio. I think he's been one heck of a wide receiver. I don't. I know he's not an easy guy to cut, but as an example, um, Amon Ross St. Brown. Brown. 
is a full 1.7 points or 0.7 points behind him. Sammy Watkins is 0.1 points in front of him. Are you going to go to the lengths of keeping those guys over him if that, if that's who we were talking about? So I'm not going to fault anybody for cutting him. And, and so season to date, the other big thing that to me that's an issue is here is targets by week. Six, eight, four, out injured, out injured, five, four. I, I think the nice thing, though, about Julio is that he still has the ability to break a long pass. It, much like Robinson, he isn't uh, super old. He's 32. He's, he's older, but we see wide receivers be effective into their mid-30s. So, yep. again, it, it's just a situation that, where that team is not pass forward, and he's not the alpha there. The alpha is currently A.J. Brown. True. But he has survived the last three years not being the alpha in Atlanta. Okay. I, I'll give you that. Um, so I'll tell you what. I'm going to say we chop him, but more than likely, honestly, what people can do is they probably can get more in a trade for him. He still has that name recognition. Try and churn him and pick up some lower-level guys to give you abilities with the, to cover buys that are coming up. How's that? Exactly. Okay. Next one. Um, so this is – there's some breaking news on this guy. Six hours ago, says he's not planning to undergo surgery in season for his shoulder. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. currently ranks number 75. Okay. Um, he has guys that flank him. Chester Rogers, 0.5 behind him. Randall Cobb, same four points more than him, rather. Cedric Wilson in Dallas, 4.78 more points than Odell. Odell's on the chopping block. Are we chopping, or are you going to give him? You going to spare him? Well, here's the thing to it. He's putting off shoulder surgery, and his quarterback is putting off shoulder surgery until the end of the year. At least that's what both of them are saying. Now, Odell Beckham really hasn't been highly fantasy relevant in about three or four years. We're starting to get into that territory that we always talk about when Josh Gordon is re-signed before his next suspension. We're talking about a guy, you have to look all the way back to 2018 to really see him have production to the point where he's being a regular weekly starter from a fantasy standpoint. So uh, if if you're holding on to hope that he's going to return to being a wide receiver one at some point, uh, I think that ship has sailed long, long time ago. But I think that Odo Beckham probably still deserves to be on rosters as a wide receiver three, wide receiver four, because he has some upside still. Again, that's another situation there where I'm concerned about the injury with Baker Mayfield more than I'm concerned about the injury with Odell Beckham. If it was if Beckham, I would be more concerned if it was a leg injury or a lower body injury because he's a wide receiver, more so than a shoulder injury. Whereas, obviously, if he ends up having to share targets with the likes of David Njoku, uh, Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and whatnot from the arm of Case Keenum— that would be far less appealing. Gotcha. So target-wise, um, Odell missed the first two weeks. Then he went nine, seven, three, eight, six. Total 16 catches, 226 yards, and zero touchdowns. That's tough to swallow for a guy that you're relying on as a, as a wide receiver three that you were hoping it would give you some upside. Um, I'm with you. I don't think you can cut him. But, man, I would not fault anybody that did, and it probably would be wise to trade him on name value and come up with a few schlubs that you – don't have a fear of using as 
buy weak replacements and then cutting the churn and, and improve your lineup somewhere else. I, I think you made a good point, though, when you listed off those targets there. I mean, anytime you've got a player at wide receiver that is targeted six or more times a week, most weeks, that's usually a safe player to consider for, uh, again, like at least like the bottom of your wide receiver room, wide receiver three, wide receiver four range. Yeah, he just has not been efficient. I mean, well, and he hasn't been efficient for a long time. Yeah, it's three games with two catches, two games with five catches. Um, you know, the one game he had seven targets and two catches. The other game, nine targets and five catches. And those things. And look, there's been times he's been open and he's been missed and probably some long touchdowns, which we'd be sitting here talking a different story. So we got. Well, I, if, if you're talking about players like that, I, I have to assume that uh, there's a good guess of who one of your players might be under consideration for here. Uh, there's a guy that. Uh, Recently played for the New York Jets. He's now in Carolina. Yep. Uh, it's kind of had a similar line to that, right? So, yes, that's who number that's, – that's who our next one that we were going to talk about being on the chopping block. And that is Robbie Anderson, who is 62nd. Um, he has, let's see, 38 targets in the last four weeks, believe it or not. Um, but they have not equated to fantasy points. You're talking – that let's see here we've got 10 20 less than 30 fantasy points scored over those four weeks well and how many catches does he have on those 38 targets he has 13 that's actually better than i thought so i remember the one game in particular he had like 10 targets and he only caught two of them of course one was a uh game tying touchdown sending the game to overtime (laughs) yeah three catches for 11 yards with a touchdown on 11 targets yeah, that's this is kind of absurd. And much like you were ride or die with Ellen Robinson going into the season, I was ride or die with Robbie Anderson. I was really, I was actually really up on Sam Darnold too, who struggled obviously the last couple of weeks without Christian McCaffrey. And I think that maybe we can kind of look at this in the same standpoint. It, it's like, is Robbie Anderson going to get better when Christian McCaffrey returns? So let me ask you this question. Let's, let's pause on Robbie Anderson for a minute and talk about another guy that's been a lightning rod of sorts this year, um, Robert Woods. Fair to say he's been somewhat of a disappointment? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I mean, everyone went into the season excited about the fact that Ma- uh, Matt Stafford was going to be, uh, be the Rams quarterback rather than Jared Goff. And if you had asked me coming into the season, I would have assumed that he would target Robert Woods a lot more than Cooper Cup because he, he did like having a long field-stretching wide receiver like he did most of the time while he was with Detroit. But what we found is that, for the most part, Stafford has got only eyes for Mr. Cup. Now, we did have the one week where he went out of his way to target Robert Woods numerous times, so... It's not like Robert Woods has lost talent all of a sudden. Robert Woods still has a lot of talent. He still can uh, take the ball on an end around and run that for a few yards, and he still can catch the ball rather efficiently and effectively. It's just a matter of getting him more involved in the offense. Now, will that change? Yes. Here's why. Sooner or later. Now, sooner or later, well, A, they're not going to be facing Houston and Detroit every week, but (laughs) eventually... Teams are going to be forced to put two guys in coverage on Cooper Cup, or maybe even three. And you know what's going to happen then? 
a smart veteran quarterback like Matthew Stafford will look through his progressions and hopefully see Robert Woods and or Van Jefferson or Deshaun Jackson sitting in single coverage on the other side. So here's why I brought Robert Woods up. I, like I said, I own him, so I think that there's some disappointment there, and I think others would agree with me. But I want to tell you, I think that that is also based on how well Cooper Cup's doing. It's they're, they're, You can't look at one without looking at the other. And if Cooper Cup was not relevant at this point, say you can't see what he's done, and I told you, hey, Robert Woods is on pace for 80, 1,000, and 7, that'd be okay. Well, yeah, those are... I mean, those are Tyler Lockett numbers. Yeah. So um, I think that's part of the problem is that he's guilty by association with Cooper Cup because Cooper Cup is just killing it. Um, But now here's my question. I brought him up for a reason. Over his last four games, Mr. Woods has six, 14, five, and six targets. That's 31 targets. Seven less. That's active there, yeah. Seven less than Robbie Anderson. So, a little more efficiency, all of a sudden, and now he's almost top 20. He's number 21. I mean, Robbie Anderson, it's not so far-fetched to see that his targets could wind up equating to a top 24-type wide receiver. So, with that in mind, yeah, I'm not cutting him. Yeah, and again, if for no other reason than be it Sam Darnold, be it P.J. Walker, be it whomever, or even if Carolina trades for Deshaun Watson— Watson's the only one of those three options that's a better quarterback than Matthew Stafford. So right. I'd, I'd rather take the better quarterback on the better offense overall. Yep. So there you go. That's what I had for the chopping block this week, maybe next week. And there was a couple of players that we omitted because of injuries. We would have talked about Miles Sanders. Didn't want to because of the injury that he suffered. Um, there are a couple other wide receivers. Same thing. They were a little more injured. And granted, like I said, Julio and OBJ have missed time, but in general, really hasn't done too much to what the rest of their scoring looks like. So, well, and again, right now we're this is Monday night, as always, we record on Monday night and it's usually released uh, to the public on Tuesday. But we're watching Seattle. So, again, if Chris Carson wasn't injured right now, I'm sure he could probably be in the conversation too. True. Very true. All right. So, you ready to um, jump into the DFS segment? Yes, I am. All right. So, what we're going to do for those that are new and don't know what's going on, Harley and I are going to give you a pay up, a stay away, and a value play at each of the skill positions. Before we get started, Harley's going to set an over under on how many we will agree on. And the reason he does that is because he and I do not discuss any of this prior to the recording of the show. Everything that's going to happen, we are going to know about each other's statements live, just like you. Well, you won't get it. We'll, we'll know about it a day before you because, of course, we're recording now. So by the time you, you're listening, yeah, we'll know. But anyway, set the over-under, Harley. This week, I really feel we're going to be simpatico on a lot of these players, so I'm going to put the line at 7 Oh, I've got it. That's that's an easy under for me. Okay. I, I would not say it's not possible, but seven's that's a that's a heavy number. You're talking fifty over fifty percent. Yeah. So I, I had it originally set at six, and then I looked back at my players that I've selected, and I was like, you know, I think there's one more. So I, I guess if I if I was Vegas, I would put the line at six and a half just to make the person wanting to chase the over put seven down. But. There, that's right. That's how you do it. All right, sir. Um, get us started off at quarterback. 
Okay. Uh, at quarterback this week, I'm going to pay up for Matthew Stafford, guy we've been talking about a lot in regards to Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. He's at 7,600 on DraftKings, 8,200 on FanDuel. I actually really like Josh Allen this week as well, but Stafford actually saves you $500 on DraftKings and $600 on FanDuel. I think they're going to finish with very similar lines this week. Mac Jones is the only quarterback to not get multiple touchdowns against Houston. And and in the meantime, Stafford, he's thrown for three or more touchdown passes in more than half of his starts this year. I see at least three coming this week, uh, making him a very good price at 7600 So we have a match. Um, I wrote him down. He was the first person I wrote down. Crossed him off, and I went down to Ryan Tannehill because I think he's got a good matchup, but he is on the road. At, but at the end of the day, I can't trust Ryan Tannehill. And 7600 I mean, 6600 doesn't feel like paying up in the true sense of paying up. Um, so I, too, like Josh Allen. But for a $500 save, I went with Matthew Stafford. So there's the first match. Okay. Who you I'm going to – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Who are you staying away from? I'm going to stay away from TB12. Uh, they're at New Orleans this week. Tom Brady hasn't done much against New Orleans since joining Tampa Bay. In two matchups last year, he averaged only 224 passing yards while posting a total of only two passing touchdowns compared to five interceptions. Plus, it looks like he may still be without Rob Gronkowski next week. We're not sure about whether or not Antonio Brown would be back next week. And New Orleans, well, they've going into tonight's game, I should say, they had only allowed five passing touchdowns in their first five games. Now, we obviously, we witnessed a passing touchdown to D.K. Metcalf earlier while recording this. It really wasn't a passing touchdown. It was a short pass to D.K. Metcalf that he ran about 70 yards for a touchdown afterwards. So, technically, they've given up six passing touchdowns now in their first six games, which is still a pretty elite figure. So, we don't have a match, but Brady made my list that I crossed out. Started off with Joe Burrow, believe it or not, at the Jets. Um, Jets have not actually been very fantasy-friendly to the quarterback position. They really have been sort of siphoning the teams against them to run against them because their running defense is really horrid. And then I went, well, Brady's the third highest-priced guy, and that's not a good matchup at all. So I put Brady down. I was like, at the end of the day, I was like, no, I'm not going to make it Brady. I'm going to cross him out. And I actually am making my stay away a guy that we both like. And Josh it's, Allen. It's simply because of his price. Yes, Josh Allen. So I'm making Josh Allen my stay away so that you're not tempted to pay that extra $500 or $600 if you're on Fandle so that you can use Stafford instead. I did seriously consider that same argument. So we'll maybe call this a half a match. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I don't think we're going to – well, based on some things you said earlier, I don't think we're going to match on our value play, but I have a sinking feeling that we absolutely might. Okay. Well, my value play this week is Teddy 1TD. Hell is frozen over. I'm actually supporting Teddy Bridgewater this week. Over the last six weeks, Washington is allowing an average of 343 total yards and three total TDs per game to opposing quarterbacks. This includes both rushing TDs as well as passing TDs. Uh, Meanwhile, Bridgewater has somehow managed to throw for multiple touchdowns in five of his seven games. I am still shocked by that. Oh, yeah. And he's going to get Jerry Judy back this week, too. So I did not go with Bridgewater. I looked at him. But can you be so sure that he is truly going to be the starter after the game he had last week? <laughs> no, it, that situation, we really don't know. But, again, uh, 
it, it very well could be Deshaun Watson starting for their next week. That's possible. Uh, you're right. That is possible. Uh, but that's why I couldn't go to Teddy two, Teddy two TD. I know you said one TD, but Teddy two TD. Um, I actually like the matchup that Sam Darnold has, and I don't think anybody's going to be on him after the stink that he has based on what just happened. Well, is he going to start this week? Yes, I think he starts this week. I, I think so, too, actually. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any question that he starts this week. Well, I was going to say, I mean, uh, again, we have P.J. Walker, but he doesn't have uh, uh, DeAndre Pearsonell or whatever, the uh, guy from the AAF Apollos that was his big wide receiver there. So, <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, honestly, the, the two quarterbacks I really like this week are Stafford and Tannehill. I have to agree. And, I mean, there's a couple other possibilities. Jameis Winston's not too bad priced uh, facing the Tampa Bay uh, defense. And uh, I, don't, I don't mind Carson Wentz and Tannehill against each other in that game, which could, could turn into a bit of a shootout there. Uh, yep, don't disagree there. I mean, Wentz, Wentz last night had a very, very fancy-relevant game in a monsoon. <laughs> yes, it's a shame that he doesn't get points for the DPIs that he throws. He had a couple passes. Uh, can we talk about that one pass briefly here? Sure. The, the, the shuffle pass that looked like he was uh, a NBA point guard throwing the ball directly to the defender in front of him. <laughs> yeah, and they, they wound up rolling that a fumble. Um, yes. I still am not sure that it was a fumble. I know. I, I, I'm not either, yeah. I, but here's the thing. I've I watched back over that several times, and – whether it be called a fumble or whether it be called an interception, it, it it looked much worse than it actually was. Yes. Because if you look at the wider view of the shot, you see he had he was, a guy yep, wide five open. yards beyond him, completely wide open. I think it was Mo Ali Cox. I'm not totally certain on that. Yep. If he gets the ball over that defender, yep. Mo Ali Cox could have literally turned around and moonwalked into the end zone for a touchdown. No, you're right. They did, And I'm surprised they did not show that that angle more. Um, they just really focused on the fact that it was a bad turnover. Look, I definitely think that the defender altered it, and yes. that made him not like kind of lose the grip. It's kind of like when a, a quarterback's passing, you get the elbow or you get a little bit of the ball, right? I think, yeah, and the ball happened. obviously was wet too. That didn't help things. Yeah, and I think that, that so it looked like he just pitched it right to the defender, <laughs> which was not what he was trying to do, of course. Um, exactly. It looked way worse than it was. Again, like yeah. I said, and again, we took the time to look at it a little more in detail. It, 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 it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as everyone's. Yeah, because a lot of times when you talk about something that's bad, it's usually based on panic, right? That wasn't panic. It looked like panic, but no, he, you're right. He had somebody wide open. All he needed was kind of like that little shot put type pass over the, the linebacker. Exactly. But again, it looked, it looked like a chess pass in basketball right to yep. the guy when you look at it closer. Yep. All right, let's run on over to running back. Let's see if we can match on our payup at running back. You know, I avoided this guy last week because the price was just a little too high. I'm going to go ahead and pay up for him this week, and that's Derrick Henry. They're facing Indianapolis. Indianapolis just got absolutely gouged by something called Eli Mitchell last night in the rain. Now, well, now they have to try to tackle Derrick Henry? <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I looked at him, and I, I'm with you. I should have said he's my pay up, but 8900 and 10-5, that's still, that's rich, man. 10-5 um, is high, but the 8,900, that's, uh, that seems actually quite reasonable for him. Yeah. So I paid down a little bit more for my payup. Um, Joe Mixon is my payup. Oh, I 
totally agree with that too. I uh, actually feel like this game is going to be more about Mixon than it will be about Burrow and the uh, wide receivers. I actually thought about moving Henry into my pay up and Mixon into my value play. That's not a bad idea. I mean, Mixon's still expensive for a value play, but that's how much I love his matchup this week. Yes. We're going to agree on our, our stay away. There's no doubt in my mind. Interesting. Well, I'm going to stay away from Nick Chubb. He's hurt. Come on. You can't do that. I am because it's been announced that he is returning this week already. Okay. But he may have to share some touches with Dearness Johnson now. Plus, he is facing a Pittsburgh team that has allowed one score. Not one score last week. Not one score the last couple weeks. One score all season to opposing running backs. Don't mind your rationale. I completely understand it. However, I'm not going to let one fluky game by Khalil Herbert make me think that Alvin Kamara is a safe play against that Tampa Bay defense. Even Here's if it the is thing. New I knew you were going to say Alvin Kamara, so I wrote down these notes on Alvin Kamara before he did this even. Kamara has never gotten 100 rushing yards against New Orleans in his entire career, but he does average... Six and a half receptions and 58 yards in eight regular season matchups against them over his career. Plus, in those eight games, he has nine touchdowns against them. So he's still getting it done through the air against New Orleans. Uh, I'm sorry, not against New Orleans, but uh, against Tampa. But obviously, he's just not getting it done on the ground. Yeah. Well, my problem. I, I knew I knew I knew you were going to go with Kamara, so I purposely set those notes aside there. But, but my problem with that is, is I still don't trust Jameis in the offense right now. So I can't say that I expect vintage Kamara based on vintage Kamara from you know prior to this year. Um, he's putting up numbers, but he's not putting Kamara like numbers up. Um, so I just Jameis has been hot and cold, and I don't know that we can guarantee that we're going to see six, seven catches from him and he'll get into the end zone. So at that price, that's why I'm staying away from him. Understandable. Who's your value play? My value play. We might, we might match on this one here. My value play is a guy that, I don't know, I think we talked about him last week, and if not, I picked him up and I played him for buy him again, and I picked him up a couple weeks early. He wasn't my value play last week. Um, I like Brandon Bolden this week. Well, we don't have a match, unfortunately. And I would like to say on Brandon Bolden, I have played Brandon Bolden the wrong week every se- every week this season so far. It seems like whenever I play him, he has a game where Belichick completely ignores him. And the weeks I don't play him, Belichick turns him into James White 2.0. So <laughs> I'm sick and tired of trying to predict which week Brandon Bolden's going to be effective or not. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that, that's fair enough. Um, at $4,500, I'm willing to take that chance, though. I'm kind of surprised you didn't go with the guy, though, that I chose. And that's Kenneth Gainwell. I thought about it. 5,000 on DraftKings, 5,900 on FanDuel. It appeared to start last week's game that Philadelphia had finally decided to start committing to the running game a little bit more. Of course, then Miles Sanders goes and immediately gets hurt. Uh, Both Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell scored in relief this past week. But the rookie... Gainwell should get the first chance to lead the backfield starting this week, uh, presuming that Sanders is out with his ankle sprain. And I can't imagine he'll return with an ankle sprain week one, even if it is just the lower type of sprain. 
So uh, plus they're facing Detroit and they've given up 12 touchdowns opposing backfields this year. So so that's my problem. I want to like Gainwell because I want to think that he's the one that steps in and takes those extra carries. I just don't trust this coaching staff to change his role and I have to wonder does Boston Scott step in the Sanders role and get four carries for the game instead? Quite possibly. And that is why I pivoted off of both of them. As much as that's a fantastic matchup, and is it worth you know throwing some money at them and, and getting them in a lineup? Absolutely. I'd probably do one with each of them, quite honestly. But I just see a little more risk. So for this exercise, that's why I'm going with Bolden. Okay, wide receiver was a little tricky for me because I was looking through the list, and I, I really like a lot of the guys on the wide receiver list this year, so this hey. year, this week. Hey, no, no pressure, but we have to run the table to hit your over. <laughs> yeah, no, I was really counting on the Gainwell selection there to be a match. So, All right, so take us away at the wide receiver pay-up spot. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pay up the highest-priced guy on the board. I already said I'm paying up for Matthew Stafford, so I've got to link him with his top receiver. That's Cooper Cup against Houston. Uh, Cooper Cup has multiple touchdowns in four of his seven games. This has led him to leading the league in every single relevant wide receiver category, targets, receptions, yardage, and receiving touchdowns. Uh, Houston, real, they haven't been crushed by opposing wide receivers because most teams just run on them at will. Now, you could also say the exact same thing about the Detroit Lions that Cooper Cup just completely rolled last week. So, so I don't dislike that, but I don't love it. Um, the Texans rank. What do the Texans rank? Hold on. I think fifteenth or sixteenth, I believe. Yeah, let's see. No, they rank twenty seventh in points allowed to the wide receiver position. Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, in terms of yards allowed. Sorry. Nope. Fantasy points allowed. So the guy I went with is actually, and I thought we were going to get a match here. Quite honestly, is Stefan Diggs. Um, twofold reasons. One, he's almost a thousand dollars cheaper. Actually, he's almost two thousand cheaper on Fanduel. And uh, I go ahead. I would say, and the only teams giving up more fantasy points to wide receivers than the Dolphins are Tampa Bay, Tennessee, and Washington. I actually did consider Stephon Diggs a little bit. Uh, the only reason I didn't go with him is because it sounds very secure that Xavier and Howard will be fully back, uh, not missing any snaps this coming week. So I'm assuming he will have some responsibility in, in what will be a revenge game for him uh, going up against Buffalo. So. I like to think that Howard will probably be on Diggs, and hopefully uh, it, it won't slow Diggs down too much. I, I obviously like the price on FanDuel for Diggs a lot more than the price for Cup, but I think Cup has more potential upside than Diggs this week. So in, in that juggling game that we play, I, I factored that in, but then I also looked at the fact that they're at home in Buffalo, and to me that made it a push, and I still like Diggs. All the more reason for the re revenge game factor. Yep. So, I'll give you my stay away. It's Cooper Cup. <laughs> well, again, price-wise, if that's the uh, play you're going with there. Uh, I'm actually uh, undercutting another injury return this week for my stay away. Uh, right now, it appears that Mike Williams will play this week uh, against New England. Uh, he's absolutely dominated this season. I'll be the first one to admit I was wrong on Mike Williams coming into this season. I really wish I had more access to him in Dynasty and Redraft Leagues. I don't. Uh, but So here's the thing. I looked a little closer at the competition he has faced so far this season. 
And he has faced three of the worst pass defenses in the league and the Cleveland Browns. Those four teams he's done remarkably against. The other two teams he's faced, uh, he hasn't done as well. One was against Marlon Humphrey and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm blanking on the other team they faced where he only had like two catches for uh, 40-some yards. But uh, he, he's scheduled to return from his knee injury. And what concerns me about this is that this knee injury is related to the knee injury he had in 2019. So this sounds like the type of thing where he could get hit at some point during this game and be knocked out. And when that happens to a top five priced player in your DFS lineup, it basically burns that entire lineup. So you can't have that happen to someone that high of a price. Uh, Plus, I looked at New England, and they're allowing an average of only four catches and 47 yards to opposing wide receiver ones. They've only given up two touchdowns to the top wide receiver on an opposing team all season. So that means it doesn't look good for Keenan Allen. Okay. If you consider Keenan Allen their top receiver again. I know, I know. I'm just I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> all right, so who is your value play? And I think we have to match on the value play. I absolutely think we have to match on this value play. Well, my value play this week is going to be Michael Pittman. Ding, ding. Uh, Indianapolis versus Tennessee. Tennessee has been abused by multiple, not just single, multiple wide receivers in every single game except for one. Now, in their earlier meeting this season, Pittman didn't score against Tennessee, but he did produce six catches and 68 yards. Plus, he's scored now in two of his last three games. So I really like Pittman in this one. I I think he's an easy play at your wide receiver three position in in your DFS lineups, and that's going to save you some money to get some of those more higher-priced players in at running back and at quarterback. I mean, here's what I don't understand. Marquez Callaway, Emmanuel Sanders, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Brandon Cooks I get, Julio Jones, Marvin Jones Jr., Michael Thomas hasn't played a snap yet, are all priced higher than Michael Pittman this week. Yeah, there's some delay on the, uh, at least on the DraftKings pricing for Michael Pittman. FanDuel is up to 6600 which is a little bit more fair. Yeah. And to some degree, you can thank the fact that DraftKings is – putting out their numbers shortly after the Sunday night football game. So he didn't really factor in those numbers into their algorithm this week. But uh, it's it's a shame that his price is 5300 That's the same price as Khalif Raymond. Yes. That's, that's a joke. I mean, 6600 exactly. You mentioned Emmanuel Sanders. I actually like Emmanuel Sanders. And I also really like Jalen Waddell this week. Uh, both of those guys going up against each other as secondary receivers, each team facing a team with one very good cornerback. So, again, I'm assuming Devontae Parker plays. He's going to draw Tredavious White for Buffalo. And then, of course, the other way around uh, with Miami, again, I was a little concerned that uh, we'll see full coverage on Stephon Diggs. So that makes Emmanuel Sanders and Waddle possible plays here this week. But, again, Pittman's cheaper than both of them. Absolutely absurd those prices that low. <laughs> yeah, that's one you have to you have to take advantage of. All right, so let's see. What can we do at the tight end position? Who are you paying up for at a position where there's usually no one to pay up for? Oh, this was a really, really tough position because most of the top tight ends this week are questionable to play. I mean, just looking at the top 10 by price, the number three tight end, George Kittle, on the the price list is probably not going to play. The number 
Five tight end Noah Font is questionable to play. The number six tight end Dawson Knox on the list is doubtful to play. The number eight tight end on the list, Rob Gronkowski, is unlikely to play. That, that's taking The number 11 tight end on the list, Logan Thomas, may or may not play. you got a lot of the top 11 priced uh, tight ends who may not even be eligible to play this week. So not a lot to choose from. I decided to pay up for TJ Hawkinson this week. We have a match. Uh, no team has given up more tight end scores in Philadelphia. This includes five tight end touchdowns over the last four weeks. Hawkinson still hasn't scored himself since back in week two, but he does have 14 receptions over the last two weeks. So that means that Jared Goff is still peppering him with passes, and, and eventually they're going to get in the end zone. I think this is the perfect storm because Philadelphia gives up those touchdowns, right? So we do have a match. I'm going to see if I can find a quick stat that I saw on Twitter, and I believe it was from Ruben Frank um, from NBC. Give me one second here. And it has to do with Philly versus quarterbacks. In their first, let me see, hold on, bear with me. I'll be like the ant that's, you know, saying, hold on, take just a minute. I'm trying to get the camera to work. <laughs> um, okay, I might have to just go off of what I think it was and not give you ex- specifics. Yep, okay. Countdown to 10, 9, if I don't have it, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Don't have it. Just going to tell you what I think it said. I believe what I saw was he wrote that in their first 12,000 and some odd games, the Eagles defense had allowed eight quarterbacks to achieve a completion percentage of 80% or higher. Now, I could be wrong, and it could have been 70%, but I think it was 80%. In their last four games, the Eagles defense has allowed four quarterbacks to achieve 80% completion percentage. That's not good. No. So eight in 12,000 games, four out of their last four. Oh, here it is. Here's a question. Got, so, I got it. Here you go. Uh, it's in front of me. I got it. it. In the Eagles' first 1,285 games, they allowed eight quarterbacks to complete 80% of their passes. In the Eagles' last five games, they've allowed four quarterbacks to complete 80% of their passes. Now, you're more of an Eagles follower than me, so uh, perhaps you can answer me this, though. Uh, they have uh, Darius Slay at cornerback now, right? Yes. Considering that Darius Slay was always kind of a slot cornerback during his days in Detroit— and, and TJ Hawkinson lines up, uh, obviously, at tight end. He does come out of the slot sometimes, too. And Detroit doesn't have any decent wide receivers that they can really trust. Uh, is there any element to the concept that maybe they put Darius Slay on Hawkinson this week? So my biggest concern is I just don't trust the Eagles coaching staff to do stuff like that. Like I have a feeling <laughs> that they're just stuck in their ways and feel like our way is the right way. We just have to make it work. So normally you'd say, yes, I think that happens. Um, Hey, Ruben also had another stat. In the last five games, opposing quarterbacks have thrown 169 passes against the Eagles. Only 38 have been incomplete. Uh, That's not going to help your pro football focus rankings among your quarterbacks, cornerbacks, I should say. Nope. So we'll make it a trifecta. And Ruben Frank tweeted that Zach Ertz's 47-yard touchdown catch from Kyler Murray was the longest of his career. That I believe. 
Yeah. All right. So there, that's that. Um, let's see. So we both agreed on paying up for Hawkinson. Who are you staying away from? Well, you know, I didn't really want to stay away from Kyle Pitts, even though he's a little bit more expensive than Hawkinson, because Kyle Pitts has just been otherworldly the last couple of weeks. And I mean, I don't think he's going to be otherworldly this week, but I still think he's going to be very, very good. And I think his price is still too low. So the guy that I'm actually going to stay away from is a guy that doesn't have a horrible matchup. It's Mike Gesicki. Uh, Buffalo has allowed the third fewest uh, tight end receptions with 22 through their first six games. And 10 of those receptions, 10 of the 22 receptions they've given up, went to Travis Kelsey and Logan Thomas. Now, back in week two, Mike Gesicki faced Buffalo and caught only three passes for 41 yards, which isn't horrible, but isn't great for a guy you're playing in DFS, particularly not at his current salary. Uh, but Gesicki actually looked ridiculously good against Buffalo last year. And his usage is trending on the upward with Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback. So this isn't a strict stay away. He just happens to be the most expensive tight end that isn't hurt, that doesn't have a great matchup. Yeah, so I took the easy way out probably and said, well, if I'm paying up for Hawkinson, that means at 6,300, almost a grand more, I've got to stay away from Pitts. So, yeah, he's Pitts is transcendent to the position, even though he's a rookie. Is he a tight end or is he a wide receiver that's playing tight end? So I even looked at how Carolina's done against tight ends. I mean, I'm sorry, against wide receivers. It's not good. So I'm just going to steer clear of Kyle. Well, is this the week, again, you're on the East Coast, so maybe you have more insight. Is this the week that uh, Carolina gets, uh, is it uh, Gilmore now at cornerback? Um, I was expecting that he was going to be back this past week, so at this point I'm not even going to make any guesses. Okay. So who's your value play? I think we get a match here, maybe. I, I'm going way deep on my value play this week. Okay, then we're not going to match. Uh, I thought about C.J. Uzoma, who actually has a very good matchup this week. Uh, I did not go with him. I, I'm going to pay 2500 on DraftKings and 4700 on FanDuel for Durham Smythe. Durham Smythe is the tight end that will be the biggest beneficiary of Dawson Knox's broken hand. Only two teams have allowed more yardage to opposing tight ends. And Smythe, you know, he didn't have any targets in the earlier meeting between uh, Buffalo and Miami. But Knox caught a TD in that game, so there's a good chance that Smythe might be in line to catch a touchdown here. So, I'll be honest with you, not going that deep. Um, and because Knox is out, that's also why my value play at running back was almost Devin Singletary. Okay. Um, no, you mentioned who my value play is. It's CJ Uzoma. I, I really looked at that a lot, and I like his 3700 on DraftKings, which is going to be really easy for him to hit. A little concerned about that $5,700 price on FanDuel being value-worthy. Yeah, that one is a little tough, but I don't. I usually tend to not look at FanDuel because I don't like them as much as DraftKings. <laughs> That's a personal preference, but yes. Uh, no, I, I, I totally thought about CJ, obviously. He was a golden play this past week. Absolutely lit up my lineups. So I was quite happy with the lineups I put him into. Uh, same goes for Dallas Goddard. And uh, also, of course, Zach Ertz, who was my featured tight end last week. Obviously, Kyle Pitts was in a lot of my lineups. He absolutely blew up last week. There's money to be found in the tight end position this year. Yes, just make sure it's doing it in DFS because it's definitely not there if you're in normal, everyday um, redraft. Ye God, some of the players. I mean... For the uh, for tonight's uh, primetime slate uh, this weekend, 
I found myself uh, choosing between Mo Alley Cox and Gerald Everett as my tight end. Yeah. That's not very pretty. Nope. So, all right. Well, we definitely didn't hit the over. We only had three matches, I think it was. One at quarterback. Oh, it's a sad day. One at quarterback, none at running back, one at wide receiver, one at tight end. Um, but, hey, it happens. It gives people some extra looks at how we think of things. And, of course, if you have questions about how we think of things, you can reach out to us on Twitter. You get Harley at Nuclear Harley. You get me at Steve Gallo NFL. And, of course, you can also hit us up and check out thehuddle.com. If you're not a member there, get on that. You won't be um, upset for doing so. And, you know, it's starting to chill off a little bit. And I would say that it's um, hot chocolate-type weather in the mornings on the weekends. Um, it's also probably hot toddy-type weather. So it's going to say a little hot uh, apple cider with uh, some... Irish whiskey poured into it. Yeah, so with that, what I'm going to say is get blitz responsibly. Cheers. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.